there are companies which have amazing competency where maybe with one specific area one specific component and because there was a lack of market for maybe that specific component they've gone ahead and built an entire solution or a vehicle around it which may be suboptimal because you know a lot of that expertise to build a vehicle into and does not lie in house so i i really feel that collaboration is key Hello and welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. I'm Roshan Kariyappa. The EV or the extended clean mobility space is really interesting. A lot of entrepreneurs are building solutions in that domain. And uh, in this conversation, I speak with uh, Shreya Shibulal, who's the founder of Misilio, about what it will take to develop this ecosystem, some of the emerging use cases, and what the future of mobility will look like. This was an interesting conversation, plenty of nuances uh, that we uncovered on the domain itself. I hope you like it. So, Let's uh, get into this podcast with Shreyas Shubulal. Hey Shreyas, welcome to the Startup Operator podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Hey Roshan, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, I've been really excited to have this conversation. I think you have a very ambitious aim with Misalio to help make the change to clean mobility and maybe we could start there, right? So, could you explain what it entails to make that change? So, I think there are many stakeholders, right, uh, when it comes to making the change to clean mobility and making that transition to in the short term is battery electric, right? And the stakeholders are, you know, namely the government, um, there are obviously consumers, there's industry, and industry includes OEMs as well as, um, you know, your tier one suppliers of components. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at the Indian context, the government has been quite proactive. The startup ecosystem has also kind of flourished in the last couple of years. the amount of capital that's gone into the space is exponential right year on year it's increased so much and i think you know ultimately what is going to requires is is innovation uh, which is ultimately going to lead to a no compromise solution for for consumers and i think that's going to be very key in making this tra- uh, transition which is the end user should not experience well should experience less compromise right and i think that is going to be the trick to actually see long term adoption right so i want to delve a little deeper into that right so let's talk about the consumer aspect first and maybe talk about the government policy initiatives and and the existing conventional automobile industry's response to this right so so on the consumer side right when will we reach that inflection point or rather what will it take for us to reach that point where consumers say hey you know what i mean electric is a no brainer at this point of time so i think largely it will depend on the the vehicle segment that you're looking at majority of the vehicles on the road in india today are two and three wheelers it's 70% of the vehicles on the road it's a very large segment on its own and i think even right now uh, especially with the help of you know fame subsidy and other you know government uh, led initiatives i think uh, it is starting to make a lot of sense for the consumer to adopt at least in the two and three wheeler context because most of those uh, you know, the the use case itself kind of works well in the boundaries or in the uh, let's say the limitations of the technology that we have today which mostly translates into into range so i think definitely in the two and three wheeler it's starting to make a lot more sense yes the you know the co- the upfront cost is still high but that is you know sub- various subsidies are are kind of helping out with that for the other form factors for example the four wheel form factor and also larger commercial vehicle form factors such as lorries and buses i think at least you know for the first mile logistics you know your your trucks i think 
um, it's still a ways off uh, and I think potentially you'll see other kinds of drive trade technologies come in there as opposed to battery electric, probably something like a hydrogen fuel cell probably makes a lot more sense. For metropolitan buses, I think there's already a lot of states in India which have adopted that in a large way. For consumer four-wheelers, I still think the upfront cost factor is, is still quite high. And I think honestly, with the vehicles that are in the market today and for the use case that people are looking for, there's still a lot of compromises to be made from the consumer perspective. Yeah. I think the FAME2 subsidies are a start, but by no means the solution for this, right? I mean, because with the FAME2 subsidies, you probably get 15% or 20% cheaper. But then there are the concerns for range and, you know, charging stations. And really, no one has seen like a full cycle maintenance and repair of an electric vehicle, right? I think those right. skepticisms still remain. So, you know, we mentioned government and policy, right? I mean, the FAME2 subsidies are there. Then I think there's a PLI that's been announced as well, right? What else uh, do you think that the government uh, can do from their front uh, to improve adoption? So I think at this point, it's mostly going to be uh, because, you know, on the demand side, they've already done a lot. Fame to, um, you know, PLI, those are all great examples, right? On the supply side, you know, encouraging innovation is also something that they've started doing. And I think we will see the effects of that in the long run. It's hard to say exactly, to point point and exactly say what what they should do, because I think there are so many different, comp you know, components to the supply side kind of ecosystem, right? And each... Each one of those things requires a different approach. But I think at the end of the day, it's it's going to come down to encouraging local innovation to solve the problems that we have uh, in India. An example of that is, you know, is uh, exploring alternate cell chemistries is, I mean, lithium ion today is the most predominant cell chemistry that's being used uh, in the context of electric vehicles. Is that something that we should invest in more? Or should we be looking at other um, cell chemistries or other modes of clean propulsion, right? I mean, hydrogen fuel cell is also a good example of that. This is one example, but I think each part of the, the EV value chain will need a separate kind of, let's say, policy agenda. Right. And we look at the automobile industry, right? I mean, it's the classic innovator's dilemma, right? Everyone's kind of playing the wait and watch game right now. But although, I mean, everyone from Hero to TVS to Bajaj have all made investments in electric, right? So they're either investing in startups or they started building their own uh, queues as or well. Both. Or both. Or both, yeah, exactly. Or both, right? So, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're starting to take this a lot more seriously, right? So do you expect that, you know, they will uh, again capture this market or do you think that, you know, it's their pie that is being eaten by uh, the, the startups and so on? I think the automotive kind of industry is going through a huge transformation, right? Uh, the, established pair, the established players have tremendous amount of staying power. And, you know, people say that, you know, a lot of the components and the kind of expertise that you have around ICE is maybe less relevant in the EV context, which is to some extent true, but to a great degree, not really, because, you know, you know, some of your, your basic kind of mechanical skill sets and your mechanical, those capabilities do, do remain the same, right? What is changing is that, you know, you, you have a lot fewer components, the, you know, it's become a lot simpler, the, the, the powertrain has, has changed completely. And that will take time to actually build out that that local ecosystem of components. And I think as far as uh, your, your question about, you know, are are the established OEMs going to kind of dominate the market? Or I guess your question is also kind of, do startups have a chance, right? And I think with the amount of capital that's going into the space, I think, I think yes, definitely there is a good chance, especially in the smaller form factors. I feel that's where the best shot that a startup uh, and, you know, there, there are examples of that already, right? I think there, there's huge buzz around 
multiple startups have introduced uh, two and three wheelers and sales are happening right i think the bottleneck today is not even capital for this space i think it's it's supply chain yeah 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 and uh, also the fact that you know you have to build this in a full stack manner right i mean the the cost of innovation is so high at this point of time right we're still very early in the in, in the curve and so people really have to build everything from scratch so talk to us about the ev ecosystem in india right i mean you are an insider you've spent uh, you know more than a couple of years in this industry what does the ev uh, ecosystem in india look like so i think th- there are so many different parts of the ecosystem right and i think initially it was people who just wanted to sell electric vehicles and what that meant was you know buying ckds assembling them and putting them out those players are still there today then the innovation grew right a lot of the the newer players are actually trying to bring especially those powertrain components they're bringing it in house and now you have people who are who are more or less independent and are kind of trying to become suppliers for these for these independent components right um and if you if you look at the components um at least at least you know in data from a year ago suggested there are a lot of people in uh, the battery space right motor manufacture manufacturing is still in its infancy and in the battery manufacturing space i'm talking about the battery pack itself because cell manufacturing in india has not happened in a in a significant way and i think to some degree it's a good thing because i think we should take our time to identify the cell chemistries that we should invest in as a country so i think it is evolving and then you know you also have have people who are a little bit more on the infrastructure side the charging especially charging infrastructure right and a lot of those companies especially with with regard to charging infrastructure i think it's it it is a much more fundamental problem than just kind of putting out charging stations i think the indian power grid itself uh, needs significant revamping and i think the, the government is very well well aware of that and i think there are steps being taken to address that so i would say at least from my perspective the growth of this ecosystem is exponential like i i can't i can't describe it any other way both in terms of scale amount of capital that's going in and to some degree adoption as well right so with that uh, very useful background let's uh, get to misilio right which is your startup and uh, it's structured in a very interesting way right i mean you have a fund you have a design studio and then you have uh, plenty of other things so what was the thought process in terms of putting this together so i think this was in you know late 2018 i think we uh, you know i i kind of narrowed down that i wanted to do something in the electric vehicle space and i definitely took my time to figure out what uh, what that was and i think at the time you know i thought there's so many different kind of and, and that's kind of when i identify there are so many different parts to this, to this ecosystem right and where do you play because i still believe today that the road to success in you know for the indian ev ecosystem is going to be more about collaboration because you have pockets of expertise which are kind of dispersed and i think it's going to be a lot more about what's like coming together right and you asked the question about you know are the oems going to dominate the space or do startups have a shot i think if they come together they have they have a much better shot so i think instead of going right into a product you know developing a product which is either a complete uh, you know vehicle or looking at some specific components i think i decided to take a step back and look at the ecosystem as a whole and see what i can do there right so the first the initiative as you mentioned was a fund which is a early stage which is a early stage fund for startups in the electric vehicle space in india uh, and along with that i also introduced the misali discovery studio you know it's a it's a product development facility to help electric vehicle startups go from ideation to prototype and i think the the intention behind starting the discovery studio was to lower the barrier of entry 
uh, to actually get into the space and start innovating. But what it's kind of evolved into is you know an excellent way to for for various startups to collaborate right so I'm, I'm kind of achieving that goal to some degree unintentionally more on the on the commercial side you know we have lightning logistics which is our last mile logistics service provider um, it's pure play ev uh, and we are operating about a thousand vehicles now across four cities in india uh, and you know our customers include fairly large e-commerce players uh, people in grocery mom and pop as well as courier companies. And we continue to to, to source uh, vehicles which are pretty much completely off the shelf from various OEMs. And what we immediately realized was that the market is quite crowded when it comes to especially electric two-wheelers. And all of them have been kind of designed with the consumer use case in mind, mostly for daily commute. But there was nothing to really fill this gap of an electric vehicle which could withstand kind of the, the day-to-day use case of a logistics vehicle, both from, you know, performance, durability, reliability perspective. And that's where, you know, our product development team comes in. We're we're looking to develop EV form factors for the logistics use case. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, in a way, I think you're solving all the problems at once, right? I mean, you're solving the supply problem and you're solving the, the demand problem as well with these use cases for logistics and, and stuff like that. I want you to take a step back and perhaps talk about the kind of problems that you like to solve, right? So, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years back or something, I mean, you could have done plenty of different things. Why do you zero in on EV and, and are there specific types of problems that you like to solve? I've always had a passion for automobiles. My, my background is in embedded systems. Uh, and I think for me, at least for me personally, it was, it was important for me to engage in something which had kind of a social impact angle as well. And that's kind of where EV and actually in the broader context, clean mobility came in, right? So it seemed, it seemed very appealing. And I think... Yes, I think inherently in all that we're doing, uh, I, I cannot claim that EV is 100% clean. It's not, but I'm, you know, it'll, it's going to get closer, right? And I think that's kind of the ethos that we're taking with, with everything that we're doing is that we're going to be as optimal as possible from a social responsibility perspective. And today that means uh, EVs today could mean a different technology, right? I think that people, I think that there's this label of Sell you as an EV company, but we are a clean mobility company, right? Then there's the distinction, right? And I think uh, you know, as and the, the logistics use case is 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 so interesting because what we realized is that especially in the in the two wheeler logistics space, the, the vehicle itself is is as a tool for livelihood, um, especially for uh, for that community for the in the gig economy, right? And that was also. Um, a very very appealing problem to try to solve you know how do we how do we create a vehicle that is seen as a real investment to generate revenue to support people and their livelihood and that's that's kind of what we're trying to trying to achieve while also being green with our product development company right any other emerging use cases on that front? I mean, so logistics is one thing with Lightning Logistics. Have you looked at, for example, let's say renting it out to the Olas of the world or uh, the Ubers of the world and so on? So I think, um, you know, with our product development company, we're looking at focusing on commercial use cases, right? Commercial meaning revenue generating tools is what we want to create. People transportation is something that there are a lot of players out there already. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of them are doing a great job at it. Uh, But commercial use cases really where we want to kind of carve a niche out for ourselves. Um, you know, you asked about other use cases. I think, you know, from what I've realized, come to realize the gig economy is much larger than just logistics, right? It, there, there are plenty of other forms of gigs, right? And there are plenty, and there's plenty of people who are, who are self-employed and, and running around the city doing, you know, doing their job, right? So I think uh, definitely there are many other use cases.
right and you know how do you balance all of these different businesses because inherently i feel like you know product development is very different from you know running a logistics business from running a fund right so how do you balance all of these and how do you dabble with these different things well it's a good question i think i do while i do have a good grasp on all the the major things that are going on i think two big things help me one is delegation and you know to some degree i have to admit it comes pretty naturally to me and so and but delegation does require surrounding yourself with people that you absolutely trust so i think that's a caveat there and i think the other thing is being able to rotate your focus and when you choose to kind of switch your focus from one thing to another it could be you know it it could be that you're focused on you know one of the or i could be focused on one of the entities for a week or two weeks or even a month and then i choose to switch but then the the switch has to be very intentional so i think um, yeah rotating your focus delegation and surrounding yourself with people that you trust i think those are the those are probably the things that help me the most right so a broader question right i mean how do you see the future of mobility i mean you know if you were to look into the crystal ball uh, what do you see 5 years 10 years from now so i think clean mobility is playing a large role today is going to continue playing a large role it will evolve today we're looking we're talking about battery electrics um you know tomorrow it could be you know hydrogen fuel cell i think and all of these are are evolving to chemistries right or evolving technologies rather and i think propulsion will will get cleaner i think the next hurdle in that evolution of powertrain is going to be in battery recycling which is i predict is going to be a very large space and and also second life second life recycling you know i think i think both of those those areas are going to be huge in the next 5 to 10 years and i think another big trend is is just um and this is this is across the board across beyond mobility as well is just that the the availability of data and what you can do with that right and i think with production of electric vehicles the quantum and quality of data that you're getting from these vehicles are massively improved and that's largely due to the fact that uh there are less mechanical components and everything is electrically electronically actuated and what you can do with that is quite fascinating i think we we're, we're already seeing just a simple thing like location tracking i mean you know things that you can do for route optimization is 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 quite impressive and of course moving towards autonomous i think you know realistically speaking the short to medium term we can expect uh level 1 and level 2 autonom- autonomy in uh, in india in in the short run and i think the you know gathering that data from from the vehicles that are running today is really it's really going to set that trend yeah i am really looking forward to a future where vehicles are programmable right i mean you simply upgrade an os and or something of that sort and you know you're you're driving something brand new basically right you know on another note we are seeing this semiconductor shortage and you know we're seeing plenty of geopolitical tensions and so on and so forth right so how will some of these macro factors impact ev and mobility in general clean mobility in general See, I think as far as geopolitical tensions, I feel like only time will tell. I think you know some of the relationships that we have, as far as India and and other the global community is concerned. I think uh, some of the those relationships will be rewritten. Some of them will look different in in the future, and it's really hard to tell what that will be. The business community obviously has to has to adapt to that and adapt to that quickly. And as far as the semiconductor shortage, yes, I mean you know by and large it was created by the pandemic and due to like excess uh, due to excess demand. And I think you know it, it's encour- I mean it's encouraging to see. I mean. globally speaking you know i think governments have realized the importance of this 
I think I believe yesterday in the State of the Union, I think they announced a new in the U.S. at least they they news they they announced a huge grant to to manufacture semiconductors in the, in the U.S. And I think similarly, other governments are starting to realize that and kind of the importance to to bring that um, to domestic soil. So it's it's just like anything else in the ecosystem. I think that there there has been a realization now that that semiconductors are are very critical in the long run, right? And uh, and I think. The the I I don't think anyone expected that the demand could spike so you know so sharply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, finally, this is a very exciting space, right? I mean, you see a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs building in this space, and having spent some time in this space, you know, what is what are those two or three things that people should watch out for and uh, should realize before you know building a solution in the in the whole EV or clean mobility space. I think there are a few things, right? I think I think the number one thing that I have to point out right, is that you know the valuations in the space are are at all time high, right? And I think that's going to sustain for some time. But I think ultimately creating value over valuation is going to uh, because at the end of the day, you know, this is this space it requires a long incubation period, and I think people have to be in it for the long run and not just quick valuations and exits. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a thing I want to understand a little more on, right? Because it's not a it's not a typical tech startup like where no. you're shipping bits and bytes. I mean, you, it's it's still atoms and molecules, right? I mean, you're actually shipping physical parts, and yeah. so the typical you know uh, fail fast, you know uh, break things kind of an approach uh, will not work here. Uh, right. So you have to be a lot more tempered, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the at the end of the day, you know, the the effect of uh, of doing something. You know, really fast and not very thought through. It, you know, it can have safety implications for the end user, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, there, there are laws and regulations in place to prevent that. And yes, it does mean that it's it's more uh, it's more work and it takes more time. But those are there for a reason. And I, I don't think people can ignore that safety is paramount, not just for the well-being of the end consumer, but also for well, most importantly, for the well-being of the end consumer, but also for the success of the company. Uh, reputation, especially in the you know automobile spaces, is everything. It's it it's uh, it's a, it's a fairly small community. <laughs> and the other thing is uh, touching back on what I was uh, you know what I was mentioning about collaboration is that what I had seen at least. Um, in the last couple of years is that there are companies which have amazing competency with, maybe with one specific area, one specific component. And because there was a lack of market for maybe that specific component, they've gone ahead and built an entire solution or a vehicle around it, which may be suboptimal because you know a lot of that expertise to build a vehicle end-to-end does not lie in-house. So I, I really feel that collaboration is key, right? You it's very difficult to build all those comp- i mean unless un- unless you are established oem right and they 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 are established they have plenty of capital they've been around for for a long time and they know how to do it but if if you're a startup you know it's you're working on something quite niche in this in this space i think it's important to realize that you can't do everything and that you need to collaborate and you should collaborate with people who can grow with you and by doing that you don't have to be alone in trying to create that market for yourself you you actually have others who can collaborate with you. Right. Yeah, this has been a fascinating conversation, uh, Shreyas. A lot of nuances that we've uncovered about uh, this particular space, which is really exciting. And, uh, you know, almost on a weekly basis, we hear about updates and so on. So, uh, you know, before we kind of uh, end the podcast, uh, any books or podcasts that you would uh, recommend to our listeners? 
you know, to be honest, I do prefer other mediums to kind of absorb information. I, I watch a lot of documentaries and a lot of a lot of TV. So I, I'd be happy to recommend a few of those. Yeah, sure. Uh, Go ahead. Yes. Uh, there are two docudramas which I recently watched, which I, I thought were very fascinating and also a little bit tragic. But, you know, it's it is what it is. But it was, it was very fascinating. One was called Chernobyl, uh, which is about uh, the disaster in Chernobyl. And the other one was called Dopesick, uh, which is about the American opioid crisis. And both of them are uh, probably slightly fictionalized, but do have some basis in the truth. In fact, I think Dopesick was based on a book, but excellent, excellent to watch. Yeah, there was this uh, movie that came out, I think, uh, what was it, a couple of years back, Hillbilly Elegy, I think it's called, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that also focused on the same thing, the opioid yeah. crisis in uh, the, yeah. the US, right? Yeah, pretty tragic. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well... Uh, All right, Shreyas, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate your time and look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Roshan. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, then don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite platform and share this episode with all of your fellow startup operators. Also, follow the startup operator on LinkedIn and Twitter for more updates. Stay safe, take care and see you soon on a brand new episode of the Startup Operator.